This week, we bring you another episode of our special mini-series, History Primers. In the previous primer, Lee walked us through political history, its meaning, subject, matter, and scope. In the second episode, we will proceed with another sub-discipline of history, intellectual history. I am Vekal Porha, and this is Podcast, Conversations on Philippine History, Politics, and Society. Intellectual history is often equated or interchangeably used with the history of ideas. While there are significant overlaps between the two, there are also important nuances that we should point out. On the one hand, the history of ideas is primarily concerned with large-scale concepts or great ideas as they manifest across different periods of time and across geographical spaces. Say, for example, The concept of liberty is something that can be studied from the way that it was used and defined in the 1400s to the way that it was understood in the period of the French Revolution in the 1700s until the 19th century. On the other hand, intellectual history takes a more contextual approach in the study of ideas as a historical subject. Intellectual history takes on a particular idea as it emerged in a particular particular period and historicizes the political, social, economic, cultural, and even biographical contexts that prompted the emergence and development of such an idea. For instance, an intellectual historian may study the idea of the nation in what Eric Hobsbawm would call the long 19th century, the century of political and industrial revolutions. Intellectual history gained attention and peaked in the 1950s. New historians found the idea of departing from the usual subjects of political history as something fascinating. Instead of studying the usual subjects of political history like institutions of power, political actors and wars, intellectual history was primarily concerned in studying the mind. There was resistance among the older historians because of these subject matters perceived obstruction. But new intellectual historians busied themselves in studying ideas through canons, writings, and discourses produced by the thinking individuals of the past. The possibilities seemed to be endless. Intellectual history became some sort of historical avant-garde and for a time was referred to as the queen of the historical discipline. However, the vogue of intellectual history was rather short-lived. In the 60s and 70s, another historical subdiscipline would catch the attention of another generation of scholars, social history. Social historians believe that while it is important to do away from the traditional subjects of political history, intellectual history did not do anything important for the sectors of the society that are often excluded from the body of knowledge. Since intellectual history traditionally relied on the works of intellectuals who, more often than not, belong to the elite, intellectual history did nothing in improving the position of the masses in history. Some social historians further argued that the ideas and the discourses of the elite that are studied and given attention to by intellectual historians only work to obscure and conceal the motives of the ruling class and the struggle of the people. In the 1980s, 
cultural history would also emerge. And while it has some important overlaps with intellectual history in terms of subject matter, cultural history greatly differed in approach. Intellectual history, for instance, is interested in the essence and the meaning of a particular idea as transmitted through literary texts and other media. Cultural history, on the other hand, is much more concerned with the way that this particular idea was disseminated and received by the people. Because of these developments in historical discipline, intellectual history found itself in a state of crisis. It had to grapple with these new subdisciplines and as what historian Daniel Wickberg proclaimed, intellectual history had to adapt to the hegemony of social history. And it meant treating thoughts or ideas as something under or subordinate to social context. This subordination to social history is best represented by the trend of works or intellectual history that basically studied intellectuals and thinkers as some sort of a social type or a social class. Intellectual history at this period turned into the social history of intellectuals. Be that as it may, Intellectual history's quest of maintaining, and to a certain extent, reclaiming its relevance against relative obscurity actually became a good thing. Since it was challenged by the perspectives of social history on inclusivity, on the importance of the social experience, intellectual historians are now able to study the commonplace, the ordinary, the quotidian. The critique against intellectual history as elitist was largely addressed. Indeed, if thoughts or ideas is the subject matter of intellectual history, then intellectual historians should recognize that ideas are not exclusively found among thinkers and elite institutions of learning. Wickberg further asserts that the response to critics who have accused intellectual history of elitism should not be to defend intellectual history as a form of social history, but to insist that all people think. All history must ultimately be the history of ideas because all historical documents are meaningful only in relation to human mind. The continuous development of intellectual history is also very much apparent in the emergence of related subdisciplines like the history of knowledge, a new branch of history that envisions historians to study knowledge, not just in terms of its origins, but also in terms of the way that knowledge was circulated and received. In this way, historians would not only be able to understand the origins and emergence of said knowledge, but also track its trajectory, changes, and development after it was released to the public. More recently was the development of global intellectual history. Intellectual historians felt the need to insert a sense of globality in the study of thought. As a new and emerging subdiscipline, global intellectual history is yet to reach a consensus on its definition. Nevertheless, global intellectual historians understand that global intellectual history aims to take on the challenge of understanding thoughts, ideas, and concepts as experienced in the global scale. In this trend, it becomes inevitable that global intellectual historians tackle the global experience of empire of colonization, perhaps even of revolutions. One prerequisite of inquiring about the globality of ideas is the acknowledgement of the centuries-old struggle and injustice in the global empires. Intellectual history, therefore, developed in a way 
that forced us to grapple on questions of justice, inequality, and freedom. In the Philippines, intellectual history is far from being obsolete. From Cesar Mahul's Mabini and the Philippine Revolution to Resil Mujares' Brains of the Nation, Filipino historians never shied away from historicizing thoughts, ideas, and intellectual works and intellectual biographies in writing the story of the nation and of its place in the world. Younger generations of historians like Lisandro Claudio wrote about the history of liberalism in the Philippines in his book, Liberalism in the Post-Colony, Thinking the State in the 20th Century Philippines, and Nicole Cunyang Aboites revisited the Philippine Revolution against the backdrop of Pan-Asianism in her book, Asian Place, Filipino Nation, A Global Intellectual History of the Philippine Revolution, 1887-1912. to Far from being rendered outdated by more novel historical subdisciplines, Intellectual history is testament to the importance of dynamism and of perpetual reinvention in order to keep its relevance in the unending development of history. That's it for the second History Primer of podcasts. For your comments, questions, and suggestions, please reach out to us through our social media accounts. Just search for podcasts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We are also on YouTube as Podcast TV. For more episodes, you can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Anchor. And if you want to learn more about the show, head over to our website, podcast.org. Once again, this is Vekal Porha. Thank you for listening and have a good day.